0: And we are underway. Hibbs the boat. Files ahead. Touchdown! John Moten. There's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch. Touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy. Great side of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. The Wildcats win. it's collegiately speaking. Join Dave Eddie and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over the Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking. I'm Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. Every week we take a look at uh, the Wildcats game and uh, the game that lies ahead for them. And uh, this week it's uh, the first win of the year, 30-14 to over the Rebels of UNLV on Saturday in Evanston. And this week it's the Big Ten opener against Michigan State at uh, Ryan Field. Uh, Dan, I remember last year Northwestern opened Big Ten play uh, against Purdue and West Lafayette on a Thursday night, and then they went to non-conference play. And the way the the schedule sets up now. It 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 was this way years ago, where you would play a Big Ten game or may, maybe open the season against a Big Ten opponent, but then you would play some non-conference games. But then for many years, and when you were playing, it was always you played your three non-conference games, right? And then you went into conference play. So it's kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. I kind of like it. I guess maybe I'm getting used to it, uh, but it's it certainly kind of changes What you feel like in September, where sometimes these games, you sort of felt like these were second-tier games, but now here you are facing... A uh, team that a lot of people thought could challenge Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten East, and it it's got everyone's attention.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, it depends how you look at it, right? As a mm-hmm. fan, you want to see great games every week, sure, uh, especially in September. And it seems like, you, especially when I was playing, uh, the first three or four weeks, it was just like, all right, let's just get to October, um, you know, get through these few games and and start playing Big Ten football. Um, but as a player, you know, it, it is kind of nice to, and you, you kind of heard. Uh, Patty Fisher talk about it a little bit. It, it's like he would he would have loved to play Stanford, you know, last week at, mm-hmm. after they had a kind of a and no offense to to anybody, more of a warm up to to get into the season yep. and get things clicking a little bit. So I think as a player, um, it's nice to have two of those games that they, while they count in the national landscape, they don't count towards getting to Indy. So um, you know, but at the same time, they're great preparation for going into Michigan State.
0: All right, let's talk about the game last week, thirty to fourteen over UNLV. Certainly. A good start, first possession of the game. Uh, they go down and score a touchdown, but then the the uh, kind of the nervousness set in when unLV answers right back with a long touchdown run by their running back Charles Williams. He had two of those early in the game. Those were their only two touchdowns as it turned out, but but still a, a little bit unsettling to see the way that game started. But offensively, how much encouragement did uh, did you take? Because I I thought just to see them take the opening kickoff and march it down the field seventy five yards to a touchdown—that has to give a team a lot of confidence.
1: Absolutely, and I think everyone was was looking for that after after Stanford when Hunter didn't really have a a ton of great plays. um, To have him come out and start the game so efficiently is was really important. Um, and as you look back at the, the last couple of years, Northwestern, when they have the chance to script plays, whether it's at the beginning of the game or the beginning of the second half, they typically do pretty well it's when, you know, you get into the, the off-schedule downs, the off-schedule drives where they've, they've struggled to find kind of a rhythm. Um, but no, I think there was, there's was a lot of improvement across the board on offense, at least. Um, and it's it, you really need that going into one of the top defenses this week.
0: What did you see from Hunter Johnson? What did you see from the quarterback's eye? What did you <laughs> like about what he did on Saturday?
1: He just looked more efficient, more confident. Um, you know, outside of the one interception, I, I thought he threw the ball pretty well. I um, mean, he, he had decent protection. So it's just, you know, good improvement and that's what I think he wants to see and Coach Fitz wants to see week in and week out especially as you get into Big Ten play when they're, the, the market for error continues to shrink uh, but I just I thought he threw with a little bit more confidence we talked about it pre-game a little bit and, and a, a few shows ago that he he just looked unsettled against Sanford his feet were kind of all over the place and his mind was moving so quick but I think he, he kind of calmed down and, and you know he showed some great athletic ability on some of the runs so a lot of encouraging stuff from Hunter.
0: You know one of the best Throws I thought he made all day was that fourth down pass to McGowan on that opening drive. It
1: was a great throw. It was a right? great throw, and that's what you're looking for and just confidence standing in the pocket and and delivering a great ball. And the other one was the one that got called back for a touchdown yeah that was that was on a rope as well so you you, you kind of see his arm talent and people have talked about that in camp and that's mm-hmm. why he was such a highly uh, rated recruit but to see the confidence the the composure in the pocket getting everything settled and and making those throws is, is you know it gives fans a lot of confidence as
0: a guy who made plays with his legs we've seen in the first two games that Hunter Johnson has that ability how much pressure does that take off a quarterback when he when he's multidimensional from that aspect and, and but how much physical pressure does it put on him because i mean you do especially against a defense like you're going to see this week
1: yeah, it's a good point. I think to your first question, it takes a lot of pressure off quarterbacks that can run a little bit. It's, if you're a, if you're not mobile in the pocket and you go through your progression, and there's nothing there or if you're not sure, you really don't have a ton of options. It's either take the, the sack or throw it away or, or make, you know, a questionable decision. What Hunter has and what most mobile quarterbacks have in their pockets is, if they don't know what they're doing, if they don't like a look, they can always run and get you know three to five to, to seven yards or make a big play by scrambling out of the pocket. On the flip side, that obviously brings up the the chance for injury. So Hunter's got to do a better job, and I think Fitz kind of talked about this post game and, and a couple of days ago of just taking care of himself. And and this is something I learned. You know, everybody's a tough guy the first couple of games, but you get in, <laughs> get, get in a Big Ten, Ten season and and you you take a couple of those licks from from those linebackers and D line, you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta limit those. So he's just gotta, when he does, gotta make a move and and break, break pocket or or kind of go for a, a scramble to take care of his body.
0: Yeah, you know, against this defense too. We'll talk a little more about it, but you know, every year Michigan State has one of the top defenses around, and you know, guys Joe Bocce and and Kenny Willickus and Raquan Williams seems like they've been playing together for years. You look at the stats, and granted, it's a small sample size. It's only three games so far, but they're right there in the top Five to 10 nationally in just about every major statistical category.
1: And they've been that way for how many years? And right. you talked about it for four or five years. So while while they don't have a great sample size of this year, you look back one to two to three years, they're especially against the run, you just mm-hmm. can't run the ball against these guys. So I think Hunter's really going to have, have to have a big game and the receivers are going to have to you know push to get open. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to, to a few people about the game in Northwestern for the past three years. Just, one had Michigan State's number and, and two just scored more points than they otherwise have against uh, lesser defenses, so hopefully they can rise to the challenge again this Saturday. Well, it was a special weekend last weekend in Evanston.
0: Not just the football game; but it was Hall of Fame weekend. One of the guys inducted into the Northwestern Athletic Hall of Fame on Friday night. I was very honored to be a part of it. it. Was the one of the captains of the 1995 Rose Bowl team, uh, kicker for the Wildcats, who. Uh, became, I think, sort of a, a spiritual leader in a lot of ways for that uh, Big Ten championship team. And it's Sam easy. And S- Sam, I thought uh, your comments were great at the dinner on Friday night, uh, talking about your career at Northwestern, what Northwestern has meant to you. And uh, I know you've stayed close to it over the years, but you kind of have to, don't you? Because you got a former teammate coaching the team.
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks, Dave. And I appreciate you and Danny having me having me join you uh, here. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a wonderful weekend. It was a wonderful night on Friday. And, you know, I think I think definitely having Pat Fitzgerald as a head coach adds another layer to the emotional uh, investment that all of us have in, in the program. But at the same time, I don't know that that has, was any different when Randy Walker was the head coach, uh, and I don't think you know. As we move forward, you know, there may there will come a time where Pat Fitzgerald is not the head coach um, at Northwestern, and I think we'll all still be emotionally invested. Uh, I I believe Dan Persa would also agree. It's a family, and it and it crosses generations. I've known Dan for a long time uh now um uh, he's not that he's not as old as I am, but we've we've been in touch for a long time, and there's guys that he played with uh, and guys who've who've been in the program since he's left uh, that I've gotten to know as well and I think that's something that Pat in particular, has done a really good job of, so we're we're all emotionally invested in the in the success of this program.
0: So you said there might be a day when he's not the coach, but I, I'll be honest with you, I can't see that maybe many, many years down the road, but, but I can't foresee a, uh, a situation or a circumstance in which he's not uh, the head coach there. I mean, if there's ever been a, a perfect fit for a guy, he seems to
2: be it. Well, and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. There, there will come a time where he decides he's he's had enough. I mean, I mean, who knows? We may be taking him out of out of uh, out of the, out of that new facility, you know, in a pine box, uh, which is <laughs> which is partly my expectation. But you know, there will be there will be football played at Northwestern long after all of us are gone. Um, but we're all emotionally invested in it, and you know, I, I, again, I would say I think Dan would agree. We all. We all bleed purple, and you know when the cats lose, you know it's a it's a rough day in my house for for twenty four hours as I get adjusted to that to that fact,
0: you know Dan, one of my favorite memories I think I might have told Sam this the other night was after Northwestern won the Gator Bowl on January first of twenty thirteen in Jacksonville, and Sam was doing the sidelines for us that day and he immediately grabbed Fitz on the field as soon as that game ended. And he realized that Northwestern had been for their previous bowl games, they've been carrying around a stuffed monkey, you know, because they had the monkey on their back for, uh, for all those years now winning a bowl game. And, and all I can remember, Sam is you and Fitz, you're doing this interview. Both of you are just bawling. I mean, you're just tears coming down your cheeks. And it was one of the great moments. It was just a really genuine moment where I think the emotion took over.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, a. It was particularly meaningful for Pat and I, um, at least from my perspective, because yeah, we'd been waiting a long time uh, for this. We uh, we we'd had a couple of close calls in some in some prior bowl games, but also when you go back to '95 and '96, and I alluded to this a little bit in my remarks on on Friday night at the Hall of Fame induction. N- neither Pat or I played in that Rose bowl game. And I am not trying to put the two of us on the, on the same level uh, in that, in that fashion, but it, it often has been something that he and I, you know, ch- have chatted about in the years since, but something that we particularly talked about in the lead up to that January 1st, 1996 game against USC, Pat and I had spent the better part of December on the rubber chicken circuit. And we had to listen to Keyshawn Johnson talk for an entire month about how they were going to kill us and, you know, that we were paper tigers and they were going to take us down and, you know, Pat's on crutches. I'm in a I'm in a knee brace. And we kind of said, look, this is, you know, this is a lot of talk for a guy um, who's going to who's saying to us you know, these things when neither one of us is gonna play and we have no influence on, on the outcome of the game. Pat and I spent a lot of time together when we were in California uh ahead of that game and uh it was tough to stand on the sidelines and watch and the fact that we ended up making Keyshawn Johnson the number one pick in the NFL draft made it even <laughs> even worse, um uh, you know, in hindsight. Um but coming back to that to that Gator Bowl game, that was that was we had waited as a as a school as a university, as a program. We had waited over sixty years for that to happen, and you know I think he and I being able to talk about it and him having the very clear clear eyed view of what winning a bowl game meant to this program that he you know helped helped turn around that he was building to in his own image um was a really special moment, and I was really happy to be able to share it with him.
1: Thanks, Sam Dan Persa here. Uh, thanks again for joining us. So, I, I guess my main question—we won't ask any, you know, dark, dirty secrets about Fitz when he was playing. But how how is he different, uh, you know, as a player and and now as a coach? I know he's been different, you know, when when I got there in, in 2007 to now. I think he's he's become more of a, a player's coach. He's, he's relaxed a little bit. He's always kind of a player's guy, but he's he's taken a step back and, and changed his demeanor a little bit. Is he that much different as a player than he is as a coach, or or is it pretty similar?
2: You know I get that I do get that question a lot, Dan, um in in part because people say, well, Pat Fitzgerald came out of nowhere you know he he didn't play nearly as much uh the year before we went to the Rose Bowl as he did you know that season. Uh, Dave will recall that you know Gary Barnett has said on a number of occasions that they were down to whether. Who was going to be the starter at middle linebacker right up until almost kickoff against Notre Dame and in, in the first game? Um, what I see in Pat as a head coach now, and the similarities to when he was a player, was he's extraordinarily analytical. He was back then; he continues to be now. You know, you've seen that manifest itself with his his proclivity to go for it on fourth down, um, which he has always said, you know, hey, it's supported by the data. Pat was a was a studier. He was always in the right position. He always knew what the other team was gonna do. A lot of times before they they knew what they were gonna do. Um he was very good at calling plays um before they happened by, by down and distance and tendency and, and formation. And, you know, he's I think he's carried that forward. I think he's I think he has relaxed. I think that comes with being successful and knowing, you know, Dave, as you alluded to, that, you know, this very well could be lifetime employment for him because of what he's done in building this program. Um, but I would also say there's a lot of things, Dan, that are very very much, this is the same person that I played with. This is the same person that I spent time with for for four years. And, and the fact that he hasn't changed, that he's stayed true to who he is, is part of what makes, makes it so endearing, not just to his former teammates, but to people from outside the program.
0: How do you look at this game this week, Sam, against uh, Michigan State? I mean, obviously, it's a, a tough assignment. you got the Spartans coming off a very disappointing loss for them at home.
2: Michigan State has uh, has always had the reputation of, of wanting to, to get in the phone booth and have a fight with you. And I don't think that has changed over, uh, over 30 years that, that I've been watching them play Northwestern, and that's... That's transcended different coaches who've mm-hmm. led that program. Uh, I always have felt that you know their, their philosophy is is that if they can get you to think about the fight more than the game, that they're going to have a chance to, to beat you. They're going to take you out of what you do best. Uh, they want to play action passive. They, they first and foremost want to establish the run. And we know that they're going to play great defense. I think Pat has, has some of those similar philosophies. I think Hunter Johnson is probably going to see the best defense that he's seen thus far this year. This very well could be the best defense he sees all year. But I also think he's going to continue to grow. And I think I think our history of playing very tight games against Michigan State. Uh, I ultimately think this is a game that's going to be close late into the fourth quarter. Um, and I and I always like our chances in close games in the fourth quarter.
0: Well, we'll see if that's what happens on uh, on Saturday. Certainly, Michigan State, you got to figure, is going to be in a foul mood after what happened to them last weekend against Arizona State. Uh, Sam, thanks as always. Congratulations again on the Hall of Fame, and uh, we will hopefully see you at Ryan Field one of these upcoming weeks.
2: Dave, thanks for having me on. Danny, always great to talk to you, and as always, go Cats. Thanks, Sam. So let's talk about that the
0: uh, hangover for Michigan State from the way that Arizona State game ended. And it shouldn't be lost the fact that they they outgained Arizona State almost 2 to 1 in total offense in that game. Uh but they couldn't get it in the end zone until the fourth quarter. And they did, but then they allowed Arizona State that defense uh, I don't know if it was just great execution by Arizona State. I guess it depends on your perspective. But Arizona State was able to drive the ball down the field, get the ball in the end zone late, and take the lead. And then, of course, uh, all sorts of um, just hysteri- hysterical activity followed after that.
1: Yeah, a lot going on in that game to take in. But to your point, I think that the first thing that jumps out of you is just the inability to convert, uh, especially in the red zone. Is uh, that surprise you with a veteran quarterback? Yeah, I think Lewer- Lewerke's had a had a. He's had a good career but I think at the same time pretty inconsistent and I don't know if that's just the offensive line injuries receivers but I think he's he's a really talented guy he's from I think he's from Arizona um uh, so he definitely had this this game circled on his on his and, calendar and and they had lost out there last year late right. And the, yeah, they, they've. I feel like every Big Ten team, whether they, it's Iowa playing Arizona or, or Michigan State playing Arizona State, it's just they can't figure it out against these teams. But um, it's it is surprising. I, you know, I think Northwestern and, and Michigan State are both physical and tough teams, and, and typically find ways to win close games. And, and Michigan State just didn't take care of it at the end of the day.
0: What are Lowryki's strong points? What, are, what does he bring that that impresses you? Because he certainly had staying power
1: he's talented I think mm-hmm. he, when you look at him he's a he's a really talented kid he can make every throw um he can he's very athletic as well he, he's he's more athletic than traditionally they've had at, at quarterback you know Kirk cousins uh Connor Cook some other folks have been more pro style guys you know I think Lewerke talks and walks like a pro style guy but he, he can also run and, and people forget about that so I think the first thing that jumps out is you, to you is he's, he's very talented um, but I think he's just been a little bit inconsistent and I don't know if it's just been the team or you've seen great games and you've seen games where he struggled with injuries and, and whatever else you lost games
0: where certainly things maybe there was a call here or there didn't go your way and it's you kind of feel like you got you got jobbed, that, that maybe you deserved a better fate. I mean, it happens to all teams at some point or another. And actually, it's happened to Northwestern more than once. Right. But Michigan State, you know, now the Pac-12 turns around and says, yeah, that the, the uh, final moments of that game were not officiated correctly. They the winning field goal, that there should have been a penalty on that. But you know, it's it's in the books now. It doesn't matter. But how do you get yourself back from a game like that?
1: It's definitely a tough Sunday. I think, you know, you look at one play here or there and you focus on that. But I think any, especially the games that, that I've lost that we got, you know, burned on a, on a call here or there, yeah, that, that one call hurts. But you look over the, the course of the game, there's so many other chances to, to win the game. And I think Michigan State, and this isn't just lip service or coach speak, there's so many other chances. That you can't You can't say them, you know, leaping and then not that that not getting called costs in the game when they're inside the red zone however many times and missing field goals and and not converting so i think while that is is kind of the razor's edge and, and, and cuts at the end of the game they'll look back and just be like look we, we had so many opportunities we can't focus on this one player one call and and again that's just that's what people expect everyone to say but that's not coach speak. that's how people think so i think it's a tough sunday but then you move on and you realize that you had so many opportunities and you're still a good team and michigan state's a really good team so they'll they'll bounce back pretty pretty strong
0: i thought northwestern's offensive line showed some growth last week and certainly it was impressive to see what drake anderson did uh filling in for bowser and then jesse brown started but uh anderson got the bulk of the work but how do you help hunter johnson out against this defense
1: yeah i think it's just assignment understanding that you know you're gonna get double teams on on their top guys and and there's gonna be one-on- one battles that, that the you know whether it's Gunner or Jared or whoever else they have to hold up in those one-on- one battles because because of the talent across the board they're gonna they're gonna to need to double teams some, some folks. So I think helping Hunter out just just stay on their assignments um, keeping pressure out of his face immediately there's always gonna be pressure late you know, if you if there's a, a long drop drop back and he's holding the ball but you, you can't have guys running free and and I think Michigan State has over the years found ways to do that um and getting the quarterback side pretty quickly so i think it's just Give him some time, at least especially up front, to to not have guys running free. And if he can make plays late in in the play, he's certainly capable of doing that.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting. I kind of have the feeling this is going to be a defensive struggle. But every time you say that and you look at a game and you analyze it and you think, okay, these are two good defenses. And I think Northwestern's defense is good. I know they had a couple of hiccups early in the game last week. But I, I think it's a good defense. And you saw... Patty Fisher's off to a great start this year already. Uh, Joe Gazziano looks like he's going to make this his best year. Uh, you have guys like that, but but when you look at a game and you kind of approach it that way, those are the games that end up forty to thirty-five.
1: You certainly think so, um, but I just don't. Given what we've seen from both teams so far this year, I don't, I don't know if it's going to get that way, but who knows? I, I would, if if I was a betting man and and I'm not, but it, you, you kind of bet that's going to be a defensive struggle. And what's been interesting is the I've just been watching the line a little bit, and it started at six points, and now it's going up to to ten. So obviously the betters are, are, don't don't have a ton of confidence in Northwestern, but I think that's what Northwestern likes. They're they're better as underdogs, right?
0: And, and don't you think that uh, you know both teams? have kept some stuff under wraps they've 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 kind of they got some stuff in their pockets here and in their playbooks that
1: we haven't seen yet absolutely and i mean I think, that's that's the chess game going into big 10 play right and and i think both teams know that to score points they're going to need big plays and big plays come from things what their shot plays trick plays whatever else you call them um, it's it's not they're not there's not going to be a ton of 12 10 you know eight-play drives going all mm-hmm. the way down the field. Um, it's it's going to be big plays that are going to win this game.
0: Going to be fun. Saturday, 11 o'clock kickoff. Of course, we'll have it for you on WGN Radio. and We're live from the end zone, end zone live in the southeast corner of Ryan Field, uh, just outside the stadium. Uh, Adam Hope and Mark Harmon will be out there starting at 9 o'clock and on the air with us here on WGN at 10 o'clock. So uh, make sure you stop by. It's really a, a good time out there. It should be a nice day. should be a good game, good way to kick off the Big Ten. And we'll see you on Saturday. And many thanks to uh, Curtis Koch, our producer, and Dan Persil. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for being with us on Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com.